Welcome to day 256 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of scripture. And uh, we're here this week without Katie Kresge, and new mom at home with uh, Jane. And uh, Matt Kresge's here, and you stayed awake for all the podcasts, so it's been good uh, <laughs> to have him here. Cindy Kemp's also here, and David mm-hmm. Keefe is also here. I'm yep. Paul Kemp. We're going through uh, the book of Jeremiah. And uh, we find Jeremiah, who is offered a place with the exiles in Babylon, along with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, even a place of honor, uh, but has stayed back in Jerusalem uh, with the poorest of the poor people and uh, the appointed governors uh, that are there. And, of course, as he prophesies the impending doom of the city, uh, even his own people turn against him. So he's in a very you know, difficult place. So we come to Jeremiah you know, chapter 33. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the beauty uh, of your heart and character revealed in your word. We thank you, Father, that uh, not only is your word God breathed, but by your spirit you illumine it to us to help us understand it, to guide us in all truth. And we pray as we read, we would see you far more clearly and seeing you that our affections would be be stirred and our desire would be to be everything you've called us to be as your people. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. And Jeremiah 33. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says, He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I'll answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the houses in the city and the royal palaces of Judah that have been torn down to be used against the siege ramps and the sword and the fight with Babylon. They would be filled with the dead bodies of the people. I will slay in my anger and wrath. I will hide my face from this city because of all of its wickedness. Nevertheless, I'll bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I'll bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear the good things that I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and the peace I provide for it. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. Yet in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever. For I restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord Almighty says. In this place, desolate and without people or animals in all of its towns, there will again be pastors for shepherds to rest their flocks. The towns of the hill country of the western foothills out of the Negev in the ter- territory of Benjamin and the villages around Jerusalem and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fill the good promises I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is a name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. For this is what the Lord says. David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the Levitical priest ever fail to have a man to stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. 
the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night no longer come at their appointed time, then my covenant with David, my servant, my covenant with the Levites or priests ministering before me can be broken, and David will no longer have a descendant to reign on this throne. I will make the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister before me as countless as the stars in the sky and as measureless as the sand on the seashore. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Have you not noticed that these people are saying, The Lord has rejected the two kingdoms he chose, so they despise my people and no longer regard them as a nation. This is what the Lord says. If I had not made my covenant with night and day and established the laws of heaven and earth, then I would reject the sins of Jacob and David my servant and will not choose one of his sons to rule over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I restore their fortunes and have compassion on them. Uh, you have something you know in in this passage, even if you have you know the restoration. Of course, before the restoration, one again is one of the more grim pictures of judgment that you see. These rich houses, which have been monuments that you have built to yourself, and places where you have you know denied me and burned incense on them. They'll be full of they'll be full of dead bodies. But don't think that that is the end. That they'll be restored. And you have you know kind of this nice piece. Seldom do we really deal with this. Not only will I restore, uh, you know, the, the the Davidic line or the kingship line, I'll also restore the priestly line as well. And, of course, both of those are restored in, in Jesus. Mm-hmm. As the writer of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest mm-hmm. who is like no other uh, and is from the order of Melchizedek, a new order altogether. Mm-hmm. So you have both his fulfillment, uh, you know, fulfillment of the prophet prophecy of <laughs> fulfillment of the covenant with David and the fulfillment with the covenant made with Aaron, which is seldom men- mentioned, but is that uh, there will always be someone to offer a sacrifice. Can't help but, but see too, you know, just all these covenant images, you know, it's, it's pretty remarkable how important, you know, we see it time and time again, but that expectation of the land, you know, they, they love the land and, and when they become exiles and you know, they long to go back into the land and we're like, what's, what's up with the land? You know, it's these things that are attached to it where I will restore the fortunes of the land that were before, you know, and, and just that land being a place of rest, a place of flourishing, a, a place of prosperity and abundance. And, and we get to the New Testament and we kind of ask the question, what do we do with the land? You know, the author of Hebrews begins to, to tell us, you know, that the land isn't just that physical return to, to Jerusalem, but it's far greater. You know, in this new covenant, the, the place of land is a place of rest. And, and we begin to see that rest coming from the one in whom the Lord, you know, calls our righteous Savior. Um, as a people, you know, that are you know, contained in space and time, we need a place. Yeah. And God has always you know, provided a place. And, of course, the garden was a, a, a place where we could you know, richly flourish in his presence and know him and enjoy the bounty of his creation. And, of course, uh, the minute we rejected his gracious rule, uh, all of creation was you know, brought into frustration. So it's a place no longer of God's blessing and glory, but a place that is deeply frustrated. And, and of course, you know, the promised land was kind of a, a picture of a, the enlarging you know, of the garden, a place for God to be uh, with his people in a, in a place where he is present and they're enjoying his blessing. And, and of course, the prophets will tell you that one day that place of blessing will encompass all of earth. And then finally, we have that picture of the new heavens and, and, and the new earth. 
you know, that that's pictured in it. So we have, you know, the covenant, you know, the covenant of the priesthood, that there will always be a sacrifice. And you have the covenant, you know, made with David, there will always be a king after God's own heart, you know, ruling after the fortunes of the people. And there will finally be a place where they can be at rest and enjoy full presence of God and all the prosperity. And, of course, we see that as the final chapter of the story that we're, you know, making our way through this year as we do the drama of Scripture, the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. I love this uh, language of covenant because there's also this uh, this covenant with the day and the night and the laws of heaven and earth. And I, I take... I mean, I hadn't seen this before, but I just love that his mercies are new to us each day, that that is a continual, you know, he's he's banked on it, and, you know, it will stay, it will remain. The covenant is there with heaven. And, of course, the verse you're alluding to is, is one that was written, you know, by Jeremiah in mm-hmm. the Book of Lamentations, which is, uh, of course, his deep mourning over the calamities, you know, that are falling on Israel and the the darkness that has fallen over the nation, but he says it's because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. You know, great is your faithfulness, O God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, you know, that is a picture of that. But it is how our, you know, it's a picture of, you know, the covenant with the, you know, the sun and the moon is also a picture of how God is uh, sovereignly, you mm-hmm. know, controlling the times and the seasons and the dates. And, of course, you mm-hmm. go all the way back to Genesis. Yeah. He, he set them in, in, in skies as, as markers for the rhythms of worship and rhythms of work and rhythms of living in his presence. And he said, as faithful as the sun and the moon are, I am even more faithful in mm-hmm. keeping my promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm reminded again in this chapter that, you know, so much of the Christian life, so much of, of following Christ is – is at times we do feel like maybe we're in those desolate wastelands where there's just everything is not how it should be, but there is the future hope, right? That one day the joy and gladness will return and you know, the flocks again will, will pass under the hand of the one who who counts them. That there are going to be, there is this great hope to come and obviously we get to experience so much of it now, but still there's so much more. To come, and so I just love, you know, at times the honesty of Scripture, saying that you know, times right now may not seem how you want them to be, but rest assured, God's completely in control. He He knows what He's doing, and and He has promised such great things to come for His people. Right, which is hard to sit in sometimes because life is difficult and mm-hmm. painful, but there is a lot to come, you know, that He's promised. No, and, and and Jeremiah has even given instructions on how to live in these times. Of course, as he has told them to seek the prosperity of the city, to settle down and to build houses to give. And so there is, even though we find ourselves, you know, in the middle of uh, calamitous times around us, you know, when God is acting in ways, you know, to, to bring about his glory that that, that does you know, a, a, bit, a bit harsh and a bit hard to live through, uh, he still knows how to preserve his people in the midst of the trials and to make himself known to them and to give them richness even in, you know, even in what he is doing, even in the midst of judgment. And, of course, that's part of the picture we get in Revelation, how God is preserving his people in the midst of world calamity. That's a hard task to live in as well. I mean, we, we talked about um, yesterday where it says you know, the people only show their backs to the Lord. They hide their faces from him. But well, here God tells Jeremiah, I will hide my face from this city. So not only you know are the people mm-hmm. expected to live and to seek the welfare of the city, they're doing so knowing that the Lord has said in this chapter he will hide his face from the city and and, and so there's that tension that we you know at times have to live in 
um, or you know, the people here are living in, knowing that man, they have a great hope that is coming, mm-hmm. and yet now as they continue to you know do their own thing, worship different gods, you know, judgment is here, and and so yeah, having to live in in that tension is a hard place to live. Yeah, and of course, you know that city was uh, where they had set their hope on the prosperity of 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 yeah. their city and on the prosperity mm-hmm. of their wealth and on the prosperity of their crops and their fields and all of these things where they had lost sight of the one who is the giver of all of these good gifts. And uh, you know they are to seek the prosperity of another city, but God is to give them as they follow Him, even a you know a sense of blessing and presence yeah. and prosperity. Uh, in the cities where they have, you know, been exiled, and then the greater hope, you know, beyond that. So that's where we are. We're we're kind of resting in the middle, of, resting in the middle of a restless world where we have the very real hope of God's presence with us and the blessing that comes from knowing Him, even though things around us, you know, often are not uh, everything we would desire them to be. But God knows how to give hope, you know, to His people. And you could say when our hope is not in the city but on God, that's we right. begin to see the prospering of the city. And that's exactly right. On that profound insight, Matt, why don't you lead us out with a word of prayer? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, you are our hope. You are the one that we we long for and, and hope in. And and so, Father, as we continue to um, to seek you and, and to live as your people, uh, Father, would you cause um, us to flourish in this place? Would you bring um, your grace here to Cedar Park, Austin, and the surrounding area, um, that all the people may know that you are God and um, we worship you, Father. We we long to be your people, um, to be faithful. And, and so, God, would you keep us? Would you hold us? Would you sustain us? Uh, we thank you for all the grace we have in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.